Hey, Pepin. Yo, 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 yo. Do I sound different today? Uh, you sound like you kind of swallowed a frog, and that frog swallowed a horse. It's a little bit... I'm embarrassed at how my voice is right now, because it does. It sounds like a horse and a frog. Yeah, usually it sounds super sexy, deep, gravely, almost like you have a beard that's slightly, like, you know, red, but slightly, like, you know, blonde, slightly kind of orange, slightly kind of, you know, brown, but also... Let me, let me try something. I have... <coughs> hey, Pepin. Yo, 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 yo. Wait, did your voice change? You know, I've been thinking a lot lately about um, that one time that I said that thing, and I I think about it all the time. Oh, like when you like said that one thing that I like made fun of you for like two years and then you never lived it down and I brought it up at your wedding, your bar mitzvah, and also that time you went to college? Yes, that exact time, Nathan. It was pretty funny, wasn't it? Um, some might disagree with you on that. Oh, well, we need to talk. Welcome back. So glad you guys could join us. I am here once again with my best friend, Nathan Pepin. How's it going today, Pepin? Yo, yo, I'm doing well. How about you, Meter? I am doing fantastic. Real fired up. We have a very special guest here today. Our good, good friend and fellow podcaster, Mason. How's it going today, Mason? Hey, what's up, guys? It's going good. It's sunny. It's beautiful. It's early. It's not early, but it feels early. Craigbot is here. I'm having a good time. Craigbot, of course, our recording bot that we use as a, a tool here. Very, very helpful. Um, and so I'm, I'm really glad that you were, you were able to put some time aside. You are one of the busiest people I've ever met in my entire life. So thank you. It only took us like eight different reschedules to make it happen, but it happened. So I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we could find the time. It happened, and that's all that matters. And we are graced by your voice, which I believe is way better than mine. You have like the perfect radio voice. Yeah, I disagree. Someone I work with actually said about your voice they're like who's that person can we get that person so mm -hmm. they said that to me which didn't make me feel great but <laughs> I, I think there are people that would disagree they already got your voice baby they got me by the throat <laughs> this, I, maybe we keep away from uh, that you discussion know, <laughs> you know some people really like that so whatever gets your goat uh, in a girdle you know today today we're talking about uh, embarrassing things we've said or done, uh, just embarrassing stories in general. We have talked about these before, um, and it always seems to end up going to stories of people shitting their pants. So mm. I'm figuring I'm going to avoid that this time, but you I'll guys start do with it. I have I'll one. I have one. St I will. Well, this way we can move away from it rather than having mm -hmm. to skirt it. It's like mm -hmm. it's like driving through a really deep puddle to get it out of your system so you don't crash into a lake. Be I don't know if yeah, everyone's self-control no, th works that way, but mine that, does. That makes complete sense. Um, and, and, you know, every good video game has a sewer level. Right, exactly. So we'll start in the sewer level and work our way up. Um, I have not pooped my pants in my adult years, but as a child. And this is, this is going to be a sad story, too. You're, you're, you're going to feel sadness, and you're going to feel empathy. Maybe. I, I really, I liked playing games with my parents, but they were always very busy. 
Maybe it's a genetic proclivity or something. I don't know. But we were pl- when, when we would get down to play a board game, it would be a rare occasion. And we were playing Trouble. And I did not want to stop. I wanted to keep playing because I knew that if I disappeared and then came back, they would be gone because they'd be like, oh, finally, an out. I don't have to play with that stupid kid anymore. And so I really had to go to the bathroom. But rather than stop playing Trouble, I decided to poop in my underwear. And that happened. And that's the only time in my life that I have done that. That's really sad. I pooped my pants because I wanted attention. Oh, it sounds like you didn't want to be abandoned. Yeah, I don't mean to paint my parents in a in a light like that. They're they're wonderful people, but they just like had a lot to do other than play trouble with this annoying little kid who was their spawn. But yeah. Um Oh my god. I will never forget cleaning that up. Uh they made me do it myself with nothing but a toothbrush and an iron fork. No, they 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 helped. Um That's like a story that could be on Futurama, like an alternate universe fry where he like Wants to spend time with parents, but he's too afraid, and he poops his pants. And in the alternate universe, he doesn't poop his pants, and his parents just, like, are gone from his life forever, just abandoned him. That would be the kind of unnecessarily sad shit that Futurama would pull out, too. Like, <laughs> they already do that. I'll never forget when that show made me, like, I, I, did, I shed a couple tears after that, like, whole sad arc of that show. And I was like, you're not supposed to make me feel things. Future. Which one? The dog one? Yeah, the whole like the big arc with the with the dog and the time travel and Yeah. Now everyone cries at that one. Yeah. Why do they do that? I didn't want that. I didn't sign up for Futurama to cry. I signed up because the Simpsons sucks, but I still like Matt Groening's work. So here's here's the thing. The good comedy is great, right? So people love laughing. But if you go someplace and you're always expecting to laugh, then it kind of it takes a lot of the punch out of things. But if you go somewhere and you're expecting to laugh and then you cry, next time you're gonna laugh twice as hard because you want you gotta break the tent. It's comedy and and crying are, are based on the same general thing, and that's breaking tension, and it's fascinating. You know that that is actually incredibly true. And, and this was during a better time. Because right now, I would argue that there is a lot of plenty of stuff to cry about in daily life that makes any laughter worth treasuring. But back in those, those halcyon days, those innocent rose-colored days. Mm. Uh, but, but you're right, though, about like the working principle of, of breaking tension and building tension. It's, uh, it, so in, uh, I always end up talking about D&D now. Uh, but it's, I've learned so much about people, about uh, like human condition, uh, group interactions from doing it. Um, there was a, a, a moment where uh, a NPC that they had spent a long time saving, bringing, saving, bringing back to life a little boy, his mom dies. And it's because they didn't they ran away from a fight earlier in the campaign that later ends up biting them because they didn't fight him. So oh, no. the mom dies and they are there. They witness it happen. And they have to go back and tell the little boy that his mom is dead, and they have to deal with the repercussions that this is partly because of actions they took in the past. And that is heavy. It was so tense for like 30, 45 minutes. And then on top of that, I have two people playing NPCs, and they were at odds because they're both leaders in the town, but on different different ends. And they're disagreeing. So those two people are fighting at the same time that all this heavy emotional stuff is happening. And the tension was palpable. 
it, you could physically feel how tense everything was. And then someone made like a, a dumb joke and everyone lost it laughing. Mm. And they were, one person had to mute them. They were cry laughing for like literally five plus minutes. The whole party was in tears. Because you had that 45 minute buildup leading to it. But it doesn't, the laughter doesn't have to necessarily come from comedy is what I found is that sometimes laughter comes from just breaking tension regardless of whether it's funny or not funny. And that was fascinating to me. And I think Nate, you might be able, and actually Mason, you too, because you're both musicians, you might be able, I had heard that from Nathan about um, breaking tension in a song and I had never thought of it that way before. Well, that's like the whole principle of, of music. Right. So like a lot of songs, you need to build up that tension and kind of give release. And the biggest criticism I had from my songs back in the day was that like built up too much tension and the ending part was really good, but then I should have done that earlier. It's like it doesn't work if I do it earlier because if I do it earlier, then I'm not building up the tension. Like that payoff is meant to be there for a reason. What's interesting, too, in music is that it's it's on both the macroscopic and the microscopic level, because even just the structure of having a home key that you are slowly you move away from and then cycle back to every chord progression in itself is a cycle of building and then releasing tension as you return to the root or dance around it. And then you take those progressions and build them up with other things into an entire song that does that builds up tension and then releases it. So that's actually I haven't really thought of it quite that way. And that's really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, there's like the uh, one, four, five, four progression. It's like kind of the loop there. A little bit musically technical, but that's like the state progression you'll hear everywhere. Right. And that five chord kind of makes you want to go back to the root, but then you go back to the four, and the four kind of creates that little loop there because then you keep wanting to do it. It's a little bit uh, of a gentler thing. But right. then you also go like with Beethoven, where it's just the one five, and that five makes you want to go back to it, and that's very aggressive. And so there's this kind of release tension, release tension, release tension that it's just always there where the chord changes. Right. So like with the one, four, five, because one is home, you're walking away and then you take a step back and then you're home and then you're a step away and then you're out and then a step away and you're home. Um, to get briefly uber nerdy, you know, the, the standard jazz progression, the four, seven, three, six, two, five, one. Mm -hmm. The way that that plays with tension, I think, is really fun because you start way out you start a little bit close to home and then you move further away and then you come a little closer to home than you were and then you move a little less far away it's kind of like meandering out to like you drive out to the next town to go to walmart and then as you're on the way home you see a gas station you're like oh i need to get food and then you're like oh i need to get nails and then instead of going to walmart you go to the home depot that's a little closer and you just it's like a really poorly planned shopping trip of tension and release until you get back home mm -hmm. that's the best description of jazz i've ever heard <laughs> it it might not be jazz super is, apt, but jazz is like a poorly planned shopping trip to Walmart and Home Depot. <laughs> and then gas. <laughs> but the thing is, then by the time you get home, you pull into your drive and you're like, "Oh man, I'm finally home!" And I can mm -hmm. carry all these bags inside, and realize mm -hmm. I have to go return this drill bit because I bought a hole saw and I bought a three quarter inch, but it's a two inch thing. I don't know how I didn't see that. Where's the receipt? And. <laughs> And then if you're super crazy, what you can do is start doing all these like little modulations and change the key of the song without the person even realizing it. Right. It's like someone sold your house while you were out shopping and then you come home and you're like, sorry, this isn't your house anymore. Your house is over there. 
and that moves the whole thing. And you're like, well, now I got to go shopping for furniture. And so you go on a different progression. Yeah. These analogies are wonderful. I, 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 A plus. Someone transcribe this and put it on Wikipedia for jazz. (laughs) Jazz for dummies. I feel like I've learned a lot about jazz. I have not thought about music like this before. Thank you. (laughs) I think you started it, but. No, and and I think it's so fascinating that like things can come from the same root when they're opposite ends of the spectrum, laughter and crying. But when you think about it as well, you know, you think like happiness and sadness or laughter and crying respectively, but you can cry, laugh so hard you cry and you can cry so hard you're burst into laughter. They're so they're a knife's edge, really. Yeah, you're right, though, that the dichotomy is definitely tension and release versus, like, happy and sad. Mm. Because, like, if, if, you know, if you think about it, though, like, laughing, you are, you are bursting out from the, the joy or the, like, breaking of tension you feel. Whereas, like, I don't know, I was just thinking, like, building up to crying, like, if you're, not, if you're trying not to cry, like, you're just feeling all this stuff, and then you get it out and you feel good because it's a release. And the same mm. thing with laughing. Trying not to laugh. Think about how tense that is. And speaking of no. tension, circling back to the uh, to the topic, I guess, of mm-hmm. embarrassing moments, I feel like those are moments where there is all tension and there's no release, and the tension sticks with you and keeps you awake, and there's no way to release it because it happened and you can't change it. A lot of times, I think, and that's the thing about embarrassing moments, is a lot of times it's tense for you, and that tension from you makes everybody else laugh. Um, and a lot of times it's, uh, it's the opposite too, where you're, uh, when I get into uncomfortable situations or like if I'm ever getting yelled at, like I, my knee jerk reaction is to laugh, which obviously is the worst possible reaction (laughs) (laughs) for the person yelling at me. But that's my only defense is to like, is to break the tension in myself immediately by laughing. Um, and I never really understood why that was my response until I understood that that that's tension and that's me finding a way to break it in the least like aggressive way possible, uh, which makes the other person more aggressive. Right. Well, I mean, hey, my reaction when getting yelled at is like and it's stupid is like I feel like I need to cry, which is like such mm-hmm. a which is. I don't know. They might be worse. It's worse for me. It's not as bad for the other person. Well, no, because if someone came up to me and I was like, hey, you're not doing a great job. And they're like, <laughs> I would be pretty uncomfortable. But like, it's weird that your reaction is to laugh. And my reaction in a tense situation is like, I have to try not to cry. Yeah. I mean, we're on the knife's edge of, of the same the same thing. Yeah. What about you, Nate? Well, I'm going to bring up two things here. The first thing is that ever since I hit age like, I don't know, 21, 22, it's like sometimes you feel like there's that need to cry, but it just doesn't happen. Even if you try to make it happen, it just doesn't. I think it's part of like being a man or a male or something. It's just like those tear ducts just don't want to work at that age now. It's like... It's got, our, our society makes fucking men not able to have emotions, and at a certain point you internalize that. It, it's like I, I've cried at funerals, and that's pretty much it. I try, sometimes it's just like I sit there and it's like, okay, I need to cry. And I try to. just does not work. does not happen. Like... This is annoying. Come on. I know I feel a little better. Perhaps. 
perhaps you are just too mindful of a person where you're like recognizing like, ah, yes, I have a need to cry. And then you're like rationalizing yourself out of it. Uh, well, I'm trying to rush myself into it. I'm like, you know, my body would feel much better if I was really seeing these emotions here. <laughs> come on, body, come out with it because you're going to feel a lot better after. Uh, there's no reason not to. Tear ducks, work, work, but it doesn't. Do you ever get mad then at that point? You're like, just fucking cry, damn it! Sometimes, sometimes, but yeah, yeah. But as far as embarrassment, though, uh, I have two stories here that kind of related. And this is not like, this is me being embarrassed, but also getting myself into trouble. Oh boy. Strap in. These both go with my girlfriend. So the first story is uh, me and my girlfriend were in bed. And I was uh, kissing down on her posterior region. And, you know, it's rather, rather nice, rather ample. So, you know, I was trying to pay her a compliment. So it said, babe, your butt is so big. And that's where I know I messed up. Because as soon as I said that, I'm like, it's nice. And I just love it. And she's like, excuse me? In a good way. Did you just call my butt big? I'm like, well, uh, it's nice. It's so nice. It's great. No, did you call it big? Did you say my butt was large? I'm like, well, yeah, it's 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 nice, and it it didn't go so well. Yeah, you can't walk back from that, Nate. You. (laughs) I. I, Wait, I thought that was good. Now it's well. Phrasing. I I mean I I would think that's a compliment. You got a nice big butt. That's that's hot. I think it depends on it on the person like a lot because if if a person is perhaps insecure about that and you said like the very thing that they're insecure about, I don't know if your girlfriend is insecure about her um in your words ample posterior region, but like I can I can understand how that might be a point where you'd be like, what is it? You said it was big. I think it's the also, like, you could have picked a sexier word, my dude. Yeah, yeah. Like, like usually I would say you're not, your ass is so nice or something like that. But the way I said it, it's almost like it was, like, a clinical, like... <laughs> <laughs> clinical diagnosis. <laughs> like, if, if I was to say this ass would be considered by the medical community big. You put the max in gluteus maximus. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and th- th- that time... Didn't work so well. I mean, I, I do think there's a good argument to the alternative where, you know, like people say a nice big ass. But, you know, I, I think that's kind of like a, a cultural thing out in New Hampshire. Like, it's not as a big of a thing. Like, certain places you can talk about it. But usually if you see someone has a big ass, it's usually more about like an insult here than anything else. Hmm. Not in my I, heart. Yeah, I've noticed that as a New Hampshire thing. New Hampshire loves them flat asses in those high mountains. Why do you think it's because we're near Vermont? They make maple syrup. We love our pancakes. Yeah, nailed it. Um, now, the other story, and this has happened the other day, so I didn't sleep at all. And uh, my girlfriend gets up at like uh, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. for work. So I'm just kind of there doing my computer stuff. And then she's there, you know, getting ready for work. And so I say hello and everything. She's brushing her teeth. And, you know, she's got this super minty uh, toothpaste. So, you know, uh, I kind of lean into her and just tell her, your teeth are smelly. <laughs> Why? Why would you choose those words? So I meant Why? to say minty. I was tired. <laughs> okay. Hey, babe. Yeah. Hey, babe. Teeth are smelly. 
<laughs> you you got real big teeth and nice smelly ass. <laughs> I, I mean, I meant, I meant your, your your ass is big and your teeth are smelly. <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> As if that's better. <laughs> oh man, Nate. <laughs> right? And so, like, yeah, they smell good. It's like smelling in a good way, right? Like, it's like spices. Spices have a, you know, like, like aroma, right? It's like your teeth have the spice of mint. Yes, but there is this whole thing called, like, subtext and connotation. Like, you don't go like, oh, man, these flowers are so stinky. Isn't today wonderful? You, you, like, you can't, you can't just... You should not have to pull out a dictionary to defend the way that you are complimenting somebody, is what I'm saying. To be like, no, 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 see, it just says having a strong odor. It doesn't say if it's bad or not. Like, that's, oh, I mean, man. I did, this is why I was embarrassed, though, because I, I knew that was the case, yeah, right? Okay. But then it's like, I was tired, so I had to defend myself. I haven't slept. And then I had to also just kind of, like, rationalize it, like, like, what I meant to say, like, you know, my brain was using the dictionary there, and it said smelly is a word just for having lots of smell. Mint has lots of smell. Therefore, I am not a jerk here. <laughs> that that post-rationalization is probably the only thing you can do about embarrassing situations, I think. But the question is, did that sate your guilt? No. No. And, and, and... No? Not even a little bit. And then she, when she came home, she was still, I mean, she doesn't really get mad. Up. She's kind of like mad about it, but not like, like, she doesn't like fight back or how do you say? She holds a grudge, but it's like a funny grudge, if anything. Mm -hmm. I assume she knows you and enjoys you as a person. So I would hope so. Well, I don't know. So, some other people I've met, you say something wrong and they hold your feet to the fire. And it's like, they make you apologize, mm -hmm. but they also like make you apologize in a serious way. Here, she mm. might make me apologize, like, in a funny way. Like, oh, apologize. And I'm like, okay. Tell me what that sounds like. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do oh, it. <laughs> do you <laughs> use that voice? <laughs> she makes you embarrass yourself further? Well, no. I, like, I, I'm embarrassing the apology there. Strip oh. yourself of dignity. Put on these bunny ears. <laughs> pull your shorts around your ankles and say and that you're sorry in a funny voice. <laughs> Call me grandpa while you do it. <laughs> Debase yourself, Nathan. Say that to my teeth. <laughs> Say that to my teeth. <laughs> Say it to my stinky teeth. Am I big fat ass? Tell my stinky teeth they have a big ass. See. Oh, that's great. Jeez. Where I almost got myself into even more trouble is, uh, so there's a quote from, you guys know who Richard Feynman is though? I know the name. What does he do? So he's like a famous uh, physicist. Uh, he's not super well known and everything, but absolutely genius. Definitely take a look at him. But uh, he was known because when school, he wa he actually worked on the Manhattan Project, by the way. So he made the atomic bomb. Oh. So he was in school and he was studying like uh, biology or something and they're dissecting a cat. And he asked the instructor, hey, can I see the map of the cat? Mm-hmm. And instructors is like, you mean the anatomical chart? It's like, yeah, the map. Yeah, that makes sense. Cat map. So I was about to explain that whole story to say, no, this is kind of the same thing. Smelly teeth, map of the cat. I'm like no, Richard Feynman. Because, because what Mr. Feynman here, American theoretical <laughs> physicist known for his work in the path integral formulation of quantum mechanics, what he said was cute. What you said is stupid. 
That's the difference. <laughs> well, I don't have much argument there. <laughs> he, he, yeah, like, I mean, as cute as the internal workings of a dead cat, but, like, I calling mean, it a cat map, like... It's cute, but it's kind of psychotic also. Like, yeah, I mean, the dude worked on the nuclear bombs that we dropped in Japan. Like, you gotta, oh, his sense of with humor the, Albert, is with Albert, no middle name Einstein. No, I don't think that would. Uh, he worked on the, the nuclear bomb. No, no, he, he did. Like, made a light bulb. No, that was Edison. Uh, no, no. I, Einstein came up with the theoretical framework behind the nuclear bomb. Yeah, but I don't think he actually worked on it. I thought he did. Like, he, like he's the one, he derived E equals MC squared. Yeah. But he, I don't think he actually worked on the Manhattan Project. Oh, I but. derived E equals MC squared once. Yep. And to find out how, well, stay tuned to the next episode of We Need to Talk with Fishstick from I Don't Know Radio, also known as Mason.